Yes, you you have, but uh, if you study the Word of God, you can see what things are happening in our world, in the politics and the battle between two sides. But turn with me in your Bibles to John, the 14th chapter. John, the 14th chapter. We want to read the first six verses of the chapter. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If they were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Stop there for a second. It's already many mentions. But God said, I'm going to go to prepare a place for you. And whatever, wherever that's at, in the part of heaven, is a special place and if you study the book of Revelation you'll see in the first three chapters the church is raptured and uh, I'm not going into the details I've said it enough since I'm since I've been here and believe it's biblical I believe God has his special church it was not started on the day of Pentecost. It was empowered on the day of Pentecost. And out of that church is going to be his bride. Some people believe that the church he built is the bride. I believe it contains the bride. I don't think that, uh, and, and we see it as why it's so uh, hard to... Uh, do something or plan something because the absentees of the church, not only this small church, but uh, people basically are the one-timers. And uh, some are sick, some are other things, uh, you know, and I'm not uh, telling anybody what to do, but uh, he's coming and it's going to be very, very soon. You know, uh, no, the word rapture is not found in your King James Bible, but the truth of the rapture is found in the Bible. So we get back to the word and he said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But notice, I drove to prepare a place for you. So those mansions are not the same place 
that he's preparing for us. And who is he preparing a special place for is his bride. God said, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus said, what? I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. He is the door to heaven. And that's the only door that you can get to heaven through. To deny the catching away of the saints at the end of the church is seriously teaching on the verge of being a heretic. Let us just look at the more obvious prophecies Concerning the rapture. We read here in Revelation 4, 1 through 3. We, uh, we read through 6. But uh, Revelation has a three-fold division found in chapter 1 and verse 19. We'll just briefly read that uh, so we get our thoughts. Revelation chapter 1, verse 19, what did he, he say? He said, Write these things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. Revelation is a revealing. So John was on the Isle of Patmos. John was writing as the Holy Spirit dictated to him. And the reason he puts all of this in here. He writes the things where thou hast seen and the things which are and the things which shall be hereafter. So Revelation is going to tell us what is going to happen when the rapture takes place, what's going to take place after the rapture. He goes through the seven churches and you see that they get a little weaker every Disposition. The Christian is getting weaker. Why? Because the fundamentals, even this church, I told you about Brother Dyer said you you made it easy. I think I brought the book, but I want to left it on my desk. But it's it's a fifty-two sermons or 52 outlines on doctrine. If you know those 52 doctrines, you won't have any problem. You won't have any problem with anything else. But I'm telling you, the average Christian today don't know even a third of them. You ask the average Baptist church member, what does sanctification, and what's the difference between pure sanctification and sanctification of an instrument? This piano, 
It's sanctified. What do we mean? It's set aside for church service. This building set aside for church functions. That's why we have this area here. Well, God said, Write the things which thou hast seen and the things which thou shall be hereafter. The past, chapter 1, things which thou hast seen is the present. That's in chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation. The future is chapter 4 through 22. I'm just giving you the outline or the breakdown of the book of Revelation. And that's, that's why that if we get the first three chapters, and a few verses in chapter 4, everything in chapter 4 through 22 are the things which shall be hereafter. But he tells us about it. He tells us what the number 7 means. As we grow into the third chapter, you'll see the sevens, seven lampstands, seven this, seven that, because seven is complete. Well, the past chapter, the things which thou hast seen, the present, as we said in chapters 2 and 3, the things which are. And the future is in chapters 4 through 22, the things which shall be hereafter. He's given us a view of what's going to take place after we're raptured up. And if you just read chapter 4, 5, 6, and 7, if you've got lost friends, if you've got lost family, if you've got a lost son, a daughter, a husband, a wife, a family, you're going to see what they're going through, and it's going to happen just like he said. And there's nothing good about it. Now, we can't make our family. We can't make nobody. Only God can do that. But I remember, and I asked Mom that question one time. I heard you know, Sister talking about it's going to frost. You want to cover up those plants. See, you do that because from experience. You know if you don't, you're going to have to replant it. This is what it is, chapters 4 through 22. It is God revealing to us, if you're lost, this is what's going to happen to you. In these verses, our glorified Lord encourages an exile. Suffering saint with the promise of a better day. At the end of the church age, found in chapter 2 and 3, we find John raptured to stand before the throne of God, missing the tribulation period of chapters 6 through 18. But he's 
exile on the Isle of Patmos, writing down exactly what the Lord and Savior is telling him to. That's why the modern want to do away with the first three chapters of Genesis. You do away with creation, you can believe anything you want. You said it takes faith to believe in creation. It does. Without faith, it's impossible to please the Lord. I don't care about nothing else. I don't care how intelligent you are. I must, you know, whatever. If you don't have faith, you're not going to get to heaven on your money, your cooks, your looks, who you are, who you know. The cross is level. The only way you're going to get to heaven is through the finished work of Jesus Christ. This is a love story, and it's also that when God says something and we ignore it, God is not like me. He don't forget nothing. Matter of fact, God is so good that he already knows what I'm going to do before I do it. And he knows when I'm going to do it. And that's why he said, Pastor, start your day off with the word. Because the more you know, the more you can prepare. But we see our churches falling apart. We see people that never miss missing. We see, you know, people doing things that you didn't think they'd ever do. Well, we find John raptured to stand before the throne of God, thus missing the tribulation period in chapter 6 through 18. But let's, let's look at, for just a moment here, in the book of First uh, Thessalonians. First Thessalonians. You... Uh, Give me a little time. I've got a, a, a bigger Bible, bigger so I can see it, but the pages are thinner, so i got to hunt for them until I get the Bible broke in. That makes sense. So it did. So uh, here in First Thessalonians chapter 4, First Thessalonians chapter 4, let's uh, look beginning in verse 13. God said, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. See, the reason lost people can't understand the Bible is because most of the time he's talking to brethren. He's talking. So a lost person, what does a lost person want? What do you believe about the second coming, Lord? I heard this preacher say this. Do you think he doesn't need that? You say, oh, yes, he does. A lost man can't prepare for the rapture. We get in our mind, oh, if I just sit down with, uh, with dad or my son, or my, it's like talking to a puppy. Not that he's dumb, probably more intelligent than most people maybe. A natural man cannot understand the things of God. 
So he tells us here, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Asleep spiritually. The churches have fell asleep. All they want is fun and games, entertainment. And all of that is good in the right place. No, it's, I, uh, when I'm talking to a, a child, you know, I always tell them, I said, you know, I like a big old piece of coconut cake as well as anybody. You know. But you can't just eat coconut cake. You can't just read John 3.16 and that's your whole Bible. That's your whole nurse. But God said, Notice here what he said. We, he said in verse 14, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also with sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord will not permit them with our sleep. We can't do nothing when that rapture, when that, you know, God said, go bring my children home. My wife is in heaven now. That body will come out of that grave, be changed instantaneously. I doubt if I would even recognize her. Now, people don't, I'd like to hear that, but but haven't you seen somebody that was really low on drugs and alcohol and, you know, and then God saves them and they get active in church? Is this the same person? See, she's going to have a, not a human body. You know, I know, I know everybody loves old songs and everybody loves the fact, you know, when I get to heaven, I'm going to sit down with Grandma and I'm going to find out how she made that cake and I'm going to do that. All that is funny stuff. I mean, you know, if it gives you a little joy talking foolish, but it ain't going to happen, church. It's not going to happen. When we get to heaven, what is our focus? Jesus. Jesus, what a, what a wonderful thought. God said, verse 16, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise. When? First. If Jesus was to come back tonight, Dor would see him before I would. But that ain't gonna be no long wait. Now, uh, you know it's it is so fast when God comes back that you really he just disappears among your eyes. You know, 
I mean, we'll get to that a little later. You know, that's what what I you know I sort of make his life, but you know, what are we gonna do if we're in one of those big old jumbo jets? We're lost, or we're saved, but the pilot's lost. What if that pilot's saved and all everybody else on that plane's lost? Hmm? Think about that. Think about that. God tells us. He said, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of an archangel and trumping God, trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. What a wonderful thought. Then in verse 18, he said, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. We do that when somebody's in the hospital and they're hurting. I just remember the last heart surgery I, I had. You know, run out of pain. Message. You know, the nurse got busy with somebody else, and Kim was on one side rubbing my head, and Dora's on the other side rubbing my head. But God said, You're struggling? Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. What words? The Lord may come tonight. Then you don't have to worry about mowing the yard, planting your beans, or whether you got the nearest grass on mowing. None of that's important no more. Amen. You know, Titus 2.13 said, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ in Titus 2.13. That's what we ought to be busy, looking for that blessed hope. Have you ever got up some morning and there don't seem to be a cloud in the sky? Then you, you focus on that little bitty cloud. Lord, is that a sign? Huh? Are you coming today? Because, see, he tells us everything that's going to happen right before he comes so we can prepare. So uh, we, we see this very, very clearly, very important. And we're just, we're just mainly studying the rapture. You know, John 14, uh, 1 through 3. You know, we all read this. We love it. We know, I mean, it's, it's, just, a, it's just a wonderful portion of Scripture. But notice here. Notice here. God tells us in John 14, chapter 1 through 3. 
when we read the scriptures and we see how close we are to the Lord. You know, here in the 14th chapter of John, verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. I don't think there's anybody in this room tonight that believe this earth just happened with a big bang. God said, let there be, and there was. Well, now he says, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God. I don't have no trouble believing when God created the heavens and earth out of nothing, and he said it, it was good, and nobody didn't say anything. Because there was nobody there. God is always pleased with what he does. So, he said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, but I draw the prayer place for you. I remember every time that somebody would come to our house, I don't care if mom has just changed the sheets and the pillowcases yesterday. You'd have to change them. Mine ain't been changed for two weeks, mom. What did they do? What do you want to do for that guest? You want to make sure that you may not have much, but you was going to put out it for that guest. I'm I'm going to be a guest in heaven. Now, God already said, he said, in, in my father's house are many mansions. Man, I ain't never lived in a mansion down here. I have a nice home. Lived in the parsonage for years. Was down the Lawrenceburg for almost three, and I moved six times. You know, nobody ought to have to move six times. But taught me a lesson. God said, in my father's house are many mansions. Where I saw, I would have told you. But I'd go to prepare a place for you. Now, what makes that place so wonderful is that, and if I go in prior place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Notice that where I am, Jesus said, where I am, there ye may be also. I mean, that's what it's all about. You have won the lucky ticket when you get face to face and never, never, will he leave you? I want to see mom. I want to see my wife. I want to see two little brothers I ain't never seen. You know, but, but in heaven, you know, and, and you got to be careful how you say this because, you know, people don't understand. They don't want to understand. But heaven is all about God and his son. It's not about 
my family. Now, see, that's why we want our family saved. Don't we? That ought to be the number one goal of every one of us, that our family is saved. I just talked to somebody this week that is, man, I mean, I, I can't imagine life without them. But we got talking, and I said, you know, You can't go to heaven for what you've done eight years ago. Because let me tell you, when God saves you, he keeps you. Huh? You got it? He keeps you. You know, it's all I used to be saved. I used. Ain't no used to be in heaven. When God saved us, our focus ought to be on that where he is, I'm going to be. He said, I draw the prior place for you. I will come again. That where I am, there ye may be also. I mean, if you've been saved as long as I have, I was talking to Brother George, you know, he said, you know, he'd been preaching down there for 50 years. And when I got home, you know, right above my desk is when I was called to preach and the license to preach and then when I was ordained. That was 53 years ago. One was in, you know, and what is so amazing about it is that I was licensed to preach in March Called to be a pastor in October, the same year. So when people said, I come to churches, that's all I know. I mean, there was a, a few years before that that I was serving the devil, and when you're doing that, you really don't know. It's just one high after another, and a low and a high. But when God saves you and you know that He bought you, He covered you in His blood. Any bad stuff is just temporary. It's just temporary. Thinking about my cousin's husband, I didn't know Willard was, you know. Willard's a hard case. I'm probably the only person that he's ever sat still long enough to preach, and that's because his wife was there and she wanted me there. And I took advantage of it. But see, I can't say, Willard. I mean, he took care of his family. He took care of his wife. I mean, there ain't nothing that woman wanted that he didn't provide for But if he dies without Christ, he'll never see his wife again. He'll never see those kids again. 
No. You need to think about those things. One of the earliest, one of the earliest prophecies that we can see is found in the book of Genesis, chapter 5. Genesis, chapter 5. Now, you know, I, I know everybody don't get as excited about the second coming and preaching on it or teaching on it or hearing it on it, but, man, I, it says, blesses my heart. Turn with me to Genesis, chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5, beginning with verse 19. And Jared lived after he begat Enoch 800 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Jared uh, were 962 years. And he died. Think about that. 960 and two years. 962 years old. And Enoch lived 60 and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after the uh, begat another 300 years and begat sons and daughters. But here in verse 23, it said, And all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years, and Enoch, or Enoch, however you want to pronounce it, walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. He never died a physical death. God has took him. Wouldn't that be wonderful to night if he came and don't have to worry about that old funeral home and picking out casket and all that old stuff. Absent from the body present with the Lord. Amen. Not because you killed yourself, not because you died of cancer, you were still doing God's work. I mean, you know, the greatest thing that could happen to a preacher, a sound preacher, is to be preaching in the pulpit and God takes him and takes everybody else because he didn't die. The rapture took place. It, I mean, it's just amazing to me. And then we go to the other side of the Bible, to the book of Jude. You know, I've only preached seven or eight of them and I left it, but, you know, Jude only got a few uh, verses in, in there. You know, but Jude 14 and 15, uh, it talks about Enoch, also the seven from Adam, prophesied of these sayings, Behold, the Lord come up with 10,000 of his saints, Verse 15, to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and all their hard speeches which they ungodly sinners have spoken against him. God 
will remind us exactly what we did, how we did it, why we did it. You know, there ain't no good about sin at all. No way, nowhere. You know, it, it's just when you study the Word of God and you let the Lord lead you. I was, I found, I found my notes on the book of Jude. Uh, you know. Wanted to show you something. Maybe this Bible don't have Jude in it. You reckon? It said original King James, but uh, there, there it is. I knew it was around John somewhere. Uh, verse uh, fourteen and fifteen. Enoch also the seven from Adam prophesied of these sayings, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand. You know, but when you read verse 15, he came to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches. God's man working right at the time of the rapture. Then we do go back to Genesis chapter 6. The ark is a type of safety through obedience, not of salvation. The ark, I believe people misinterpret it, and you can disagree with me if you, if you want, want to. But I believe the ark is a type of safety through obedience, not of salvation, because I don't believe that all seven of them were saved. They got saved. They're in glory now. But Noah was the just man. got to have at least one person in that family that is saved, dedicated, that will not falter. Because, you know, it's just like me. It's a wonder that, that God blessed me. You know, I went to a little Presbyterian church. It wasn't because of the Presbyterian church, but I went to a little Presbyterian church. And at my early life, I was wild and, you know, you name it, I did it. But I went in this place I shouldn't have been in. And who was sitting at the bar? One of the deacons of that little church I attended. No. If he's saved and he's still doing what I'm doing and he went back to pick up where he left, he wasn't finished with it, I I guess. My point is, you never know when somebody's watching you. You never know. 
That's why that we we are to be consistent. But you and I both know that this body is my enemy. I mean, you know, I'm supposed to go Monday for, to talk to a doctor about running wires up my heart to make my upper chamber same rate as my bottom chamber, you know, and, and you know, I said, man, you know, how much longer this thing got to go on such to keep this old body running? You know, have a tune-up every five, six years? But God knows exactly when I leave here. He knows when you're going to leave here. The point of it is, are you ready to leave? And somebody will say most time, oh, I'm ready, man. You, this life, people now, they're dishonest. What about, you know, that ain't the reason you ought to want to leave. You ought to want to leave because God paid your sin debt and he's prepared a place for you. A mansion wasn't good enough. I know preachers argue with me, but I don't, I just listen politely. I don't, I don't even fire back now. He said in my father's house are many mansions. That's a statement. But I'd go to prepare a place for you. And if you can get in your head that who he's talking about is his bride. And you cross-reference the first three books of Genesis with Ephesians, you'll find out that Christ built a church. It's still in existence and it makes up his bride. No, you don't actually be a Baptist to be saved. Somebody asked me, what would you be if you weren't a Baptist? Knowing what I know now, I'd be ashamed. I said, knowing what I know now. I don't try to just smart about it, but I mean, you know, that's like the, a four-year-old telling mommy, you know, you don't mind me. It ain't going to happen. You can't change the Bible, Steve. When God said it, that's it. Hebrews eleven seventeen, you know, talks about by faith Noah being warned of God of things not yet seen, move with fear. In other words, God was telling Noah, you need to go build an ark. Build an ark. What is an ark? But he he moved with fear. We ought to be afraid to go against God's word. So I'm not afraid of nobody. Yeah, but I'm afraid that sometimes God will take the most precious thing to you. What if he took one of your children or one of your grandchildren? They belong to him. He doesn't have to ask me. He did not send me a note saying, Pastor Vance, I'm going to take your wife. July the 20th. He didn't do that. But she was born right on time and she left this earth right on time. 
and say, well, I don't know. Well, that's you. God said it's appointed unto man. A time is appointed. So, Noah was saved by grace, not by building an ark. That was my point earlier. Noah didn't get saved because that was a job that God appointed Noah to do. God gave you some kids. He's now going to appoint you. He said, now, these are my kids. I'm going to lend them to you. Your responsibility is to teach them right, set the example right. He said, well, I can't help. No, you can't help what your kids do. You can't help what your husband do. You can't help what your wife do. But you can, you can live so close to the Lord that they're uncomfortable when they're doing it. Preach on that a while, Tony. God said that uh, Noah was saved by grace, not by building an ark. We do not work for or build our salvation any more than Noah did. I didn't stop all of my sin to get God to accept me. He accepted me when I was as low as you could be. Or I thought I was. And he tenderly worked upon me. I tell you how how to know he was. When you get to heaven, you ask my, my wife. I say, I'm 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 going home. I'm going to prove everything. I want to make sure he's doing it right. And I did. Well, that didn't hurt Brother Bill, but it helped me because while I was while I was studying and trying to prove him wrong, God was just pounding it on me. And then what happened? I surrender, Lord. You win. I don't have to understand it. All I've got to do is believe it. And if you touch me, I will believe it. I think the funniest thing in the world is when people say, I believe God is trying to save him. (laughs) I just laugh and they say, what's so funny? Didn't you hear yourself? God's trying to do something. Do you know he was a God that created this heaven and earth? He said it was good and not a soul talked back. And when God saves you, he does it good. He saves you. And when we have trouble, it's sometimes because we walked away from that. You know, James said, he that knoweth to do good, do it not, is sin. All right, we'll just uh, close right here. We'll pick her up next Wednesday night, same time, same place. And uh, I think there's about uh, uh, 14 pages in this, and anybody wants a copy of it, I will make it, but I'm not going to make 15, 16 copies, you know, as it sets there. All right, let us.
close with prayer. We always pray we don't give a literal invitation every time, but but I will want you to know that uh, you know you got something you need to talk about your salvation, what you'd like to see happen. You know, people people have asked me, you know, and I'll I'll stop preaching here in a minute. Uh, when are you going to move back to Cincinnati? You know, I would, uh, you know, I think you could do a better job if you moved back to Cincinnati. Really? <laughs> as soon as God convinces me of that, I'll be right over here. But you know, uh, I just want to give this to you without any cost. You know, you know, when you're about seventy-eight years old, you've had two heart surgeries. You've got another procedure coming up, and I live over on the lake. But my house has got something that a lot of people's house don't have. There's no lien against it, see. And I don't care what little house you you got, you can't build it for what you got in it now. But who knows? God may touch me. And you'll see a well, ain't no house over there. I'm gonna teach y'all something here in a minute. We don't have the people here to go in debt for a $200,000 house. And now it don't take much to get 200000 Forgive me, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for this time of teaching. And I know sometimes I get excited just thinking about you 